for me though it was a little different because cops were shooting at me as well. Oh, so it wasn't just that always makes things a lot more exciting. Going to prison wasn't just the, the 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 gist of it. Um, I was I quit selling. So wait, a minute. they were shooting at you the day they arrested you? Yeah, I quit selling drugs. Uh, I hadn't sold drugs. Do you body. think maybe they're trying to kill you just to silence you? I, I I don't know. They were shooting at my head though. <laughs> I heard bullets. You ever heard a bullet whizz yeah. by your head? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I heard that. No. So I, <laughs> I never. I know, I know what that's like, Jamie. <clears throat> never, never once. I never heard him thump around the ground. Well, nobody would shoot at you anyway, no. Jamie. The whizz by your head. You don't head? know me. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to Business Outlaws. I'm Jamie Foxx, here with Big Mike yep. and Chris Collins. Angle the dangle. <laughs> Jesus, right out the gate. Right out the gate. We have a very special guest today. Yes, we Freeway, do. Freeway, Rick Ross. Rick the Ross. One and only. The one and only, yes. Yes, yes. Ricky Donald. Glad to be here. How you doing? I'm well, I'm well. You're a busy dude. Oh my God, I, I need three of me. <laughs> I need three of me to intro you. I mean, Christ. Give him the big show intro. I'm going to have to learn the, the clone game. There you go. And you're a fellow Texan. I am also from Texas. Yes. And the other Jamie Foxx is also from Texas. Did you know that? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, his name's Eric Bishop. Uh, Neither here nor there. Anyways, so... So why'd you bring it up? (laughs) (laughs) So right out the gate, you're 30 years vegan. Yes. That's insane. Uh, No meat byproducts. Saved a lot of lives. And yourself. You saved your own life by not eating meat. Hopefully. And you just got asked recently to speak at Harvard? Yes. Yes. Uh, I'll be speaking at Harvard soon. Uh, Really exciting for me. You know, when, when you look at my background and my education level... Um, to be speaking at Harvard. I already spoke at Brown, so. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> Bucket list. So now to speak at Harvard would be like, ah. You're like, I did it. <laughs> I'm getting there. Yeah, Netflix documentary? Yes, I got the number one documentary on Netflix right now, so I'm riding a wave with that. Um, movies financed. Um, Dope. We should be shooting, uh, I guess around January, hopefully. We're waiting on uh, the director's uh, schedule. You know, he's he's... He's a TV character, so uh, we're waiting on his schedule to let us know exactly what date we'll start shooting. That's amazing. I love that. And you did a book, yes. self-titled Freeway, Rick Ross. Yes. If, you, if you're watching the video of this, she's Vanna Whiting the book. <laughs> Has your book ever been Vanna Whited like that? No, Rick? I love it. I love it. Purchase on I, Amazon.com. I need that picture. <laughs> so uh, born January 26, 1960 in Texas. Uh-huh. You're American author, actor, convicted drug trafficker, best known for the drug empire you established in L.A. in the early mid-90s. No, I'm trying to top that right now, you know. Oh, that's with coming. Something, with something. I'm it's coming. I got to find some way to top what I did in the drug business. Hopefully legal. <laughs> well, Hopefully legal, yes. And you became an important link between major Colombian drug cartels and lower-level distributors in the United States. Yeah, I mean, at, at the time that I got started, it was uh, it was an older, older um, person's uh, industry, um, but they did it kind of dull, you know. They they wasn't like gung ho with it. They were like really in the closet, and 
And, you know, I brought it more more mainstream and I brought it out in the open, you know, where, yeah. where everybody kind of could get involved, I guess you would say. I also really want to know, how'd you get the name Freeway? Well, if you look out the back of your window, uh-huh. you're overlooking the 110 Freeway and I grew up right on the side of that freeway. Oh, really? Yes. I like that. Yeah, there's a link. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, we, we're connected. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I keep getting here, because I'm connected. Just I come like right that. down your freeway. Oh, right down my freeway. Easy trip. You know what I'm saying? I, I would have been late if, if it wasn't so close. <laughs> so I I um, heard a little thing that when you got out of jail, that there was a link between you and Big Mike, that he somehow indirectly helped you out a little bit. Is that true? Uh, I don't know. It was know. a documentary, right? <laughs> Kevin, Booth, Kevin Booth did a documentary, right? Oh, yeah. I put up some of that money to do that. Oh, you put yeah. up the money on, on yeah. how we won the West. <laughs> yeah, that, that too, yeah. Oh, that one. <laughs> well, Big Mike's all over the place, man. You know, Big you know, Mike has a grand he, strategy. Hey, he's, he's like an octopus, right? Yeah. His hands is here, and, and you don't know it's his hands. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, matter of fact, you know, Kevin, Kevin Booth was a really good friend of mine, and he helped me out a lot uh, my last couple of years in prison. And um we did a couple documentaries with Kevin. What what else did I do with Kevin? Do you remember the, the Great one White Hope? Of, Mike? The Great White Hope. Yeah, that one I don't remember, but American Drug War for sure. American Drug War. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, I, I do so much stuff, you know, with documentaries and and um, just I'm just all over the place, man. I'm trying to get rich again. I I want to be rich, you know, and. I, and I'm doing everything I can to get there. You know, I'm working about 18, 19 hour days. Um, I try to lose sleep, try not to eat too much, you know, just trying to really put everything back into uh, my industries so that uh, I can hopefully grab the success that I once had in, in, in the other business. Is that the entertainment business? Is that what you're kind of what you're thinking? Uh, well, I'm doing I'm doing entertainment right now. Yeah. I do uh, real estate. Oh. I, I do cars. I just left the auction right now. Wow! <laughs> so I'm on the freeway, and 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 my son Jamal is calling me. Yeah, you know, you got your one o'clock interview, and I'm like, I'm racing down the 91, and and right. then we we ran into a little traffic at the 605. But uh, uh, I got another book that's coming out about my first six months out of prison. You know, my struggles of yeah. of, of getting out of prison and and not being at the status that you were when so what was that like i mean here you got and maybe even had status while you're in prison and now you you get out and what's it like describe that my first my first months out of prison was tough you know um halfway house was tough i was working a job that um was paying like seven dollars an hour um when i get out my mom was losing her house her house is in foreclosure. She had took one of those uh, subprime loans. Mm-hmm. Um, her mortgage was thirty two hundred a month, and nobody else cared. None of the family seemed like they really gave a, a fuck. Um, excuse me. That's right. She was, she was, she was upside down. Yeah. She was upside down, and 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 I'm looking at my family, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" You know, my brothers and they just like sitting around, like, "Oh, we're gonna lose it," and I was like. No, I ain't. You know, and, and I went right to work on trying to say that, and and that really put a lot of pressure on me. You know, and and the book is going to be about those uh, times, and and it's crazy how the book came about because I didn't plan on writing this book. It, it was uh, a friend of mine from New York, Coley Crutcher, who uh, owned a magazine, and he did a story on me when I first got out, 
And uh, <clears throat> I went to New York. He sent for me to come to New York, and we, we do the story. And he said, man, I just want to come hang out with you. You seem like an interesting guy. And we're hanging out, and then he just started going to all these meetings with me. You know, I'm meeting with Michael Lynn, Ori Emanuel, Jeff Bird, you know, some of the top Hollywood people who were talking to me about buying my, my story or doing my movie, uh, which none of it panned out. But, uh, you know, we had some meetings, and then I look over one day, and he's taking these notes, and I was like, what are you doing? He's like, ah, I'm just making documents on uh, everything that we've been doing. I said, hold up. You took the notes from the meeting with Ori Emanuel, who don't take pictures with nobody, who don't know what. He was like, I was like, and that's going to be one hell of a book. <laughs> so um, we're going to try to release that next year, the beginning of the next year. Um, and the book is titled Riding with Rick. You know, it's going to be he was there when the marshals knocked on my mom's door and told us that we all had to get out. You know, um, uh, really, I was homeless for a couple of months. Uh, and it just details everything. And I think that it's going to be interesting for people to see, you know, that uh, no matter how low you get, you can always fight your way back up. You know, uh, I'm not rich right now, but, you know, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good for myself, you know, uh, you know close to three or four hundred, maybe five hundred thousand, you know, in assets and everything and not counting, not counting my house. Uh, so so I'm. I'm making some progress, you know, not the kind of progress that I, 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 I can make, but uh, I'm going to keep pushing. Mm, that's good. So kind of the the premise of this that Mike and I had the idea for the show was to kind of give advice back to us when we were 24. Like if we could go back in time and, and give advice. And so we had you speak once here at the safe house. You did. And, and we, I we, loved it. My best speaking engagement ever. We have it on video if you even want better, it. You even better it. than when I spoke at Brown. <laughs> no, it, it was great. And so I would like to I would like to talk about and dissect a little bit how what you learned early on applies now to what you're doing in business. But I think we should give context to anybody who doesn't know the the kind of empire that you created. How much were you doing a week in sales at the height of it? Well, I started with one hundred twenty five dollars. Uh, before I got arrested, I had days that I made as much as $3 million. Days? Yeah. Not profit, but money that Sales. came through my hand. Uh, my profit out of that probably would be like 600 you know, according to who came through. You know, some guys didn't know what they were doing and you slap them upside the head. So you had great days when they come through. And then there was other guys who really knew what they were doing and you would make less money. But uh, average out of out of a million bucks, I would I would pull anywhere from two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand for myself uh, that I could keep. And so then the the thing that I think gets overlooked is the infrastructure and leadership and management of people, the marketing, all of the things that I mean. You really were a CEO of a company. It was just absolutely you were your company. Like Mike always says, you can't make a mistake. Right. right? You if you made a mistake, it was over, and eventually it did it was over and you know for complicated reasons but still in and so those i think people kind of i don't know discount that but the thing that was really impressive to me when when he came and spoke and i don't know about you mike was um you are completely different than the legend that's out there you, <laughs> I, I mean i expected something a, a little bit different yeah. than um you're you're very soft. You have a, a very, um, 
I don't know, almost calming presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I try to be, I mean, I, I like people. Yeah. You know, I like to be around people. I like to talk to people. I like to associate with them. I mean, I just like people. And, and, and when I'm around people, I want them to feel the way I feel. You know, I want them to just be joyful, to be thankful. I mean, because we have so much to be thankful for. You know, I mean, yeah, we all have problems. But it, when we look at it, you breathe in, you can see, you got your, your limbs, you got a lot to be thankful for. There's so many people who wish that they had the opportunities that we have as people. And, and I try to uh, share that feeling in my, uh, in my demeanor. <clears throat> so the other thing that that really impressed me was how much you supported the community and how much they supported you in the end too. Crazy, crazy. Like that's a very touching, unbelievable story. How much you, you gave know, back? Absolutely. You know, when when I, and 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 I'm just like can't believe that I get the kind of. I mean, if somebody so cracked to my mom, I might throw rocks at them. You know, right. and and I probably would forgive. You know, but. Uh, it wouldn't be easy, you know. You would have to really, and and just the way that people have forgiven me and 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 gave me a second chance is like, you know, I just have to say thanks. Yeah, and they so how much like you were paying people's mortgage payments, you were building houses, you were fixing up the community, you were giving people money, and, yeah, right. Yeah, you yeah, were I mean, giving back. There was a Robin Hood element to what you were absolutely, doing, absolutely, because you know when you grow up. You grow up and you, you're poor, you know, you don't have food to eat. And then when you see other people in the, that same position, you have a, a soft spot in your heart. We're like, I got to try to help them some kind of way. You know, it's like, uh, how can I help this problem? You know, what, what can I do to, to make this problem better? And, and, um, you made yourself the solution. Tried. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I was or not, but uh, I, I want to be the solution. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, running, running that big, operation back then and now today where we're at how much of the leadership and the marketing and the things that you did apply to business now because oh, totally, really you're a ceo totally right? totally, totally. You, you know when when i look back in my life you know people be like uh well how do you feel about yourself you know you 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 so poison to your people and it's like oh i did but that's the one mistake that i made that make me this person that shouldn't like itself, you know, uh, 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 but my intentions was good. See, you can have good intentions and, and, and make a mistake just cause you had good intentions. Don't mean that you was doing the right thing, you know? So, uh, when I look back at it, I was like, well, I, I made a mistake, you know, a bad mistake, but I wasn't trying so when, to destroy my community. When you were running your organization, you ran it like a real business. I mean, you call your your stuff Ready Rock. That that's an alliteration. That's marketing. I mean, you use alliterations, and you know when something sounds good, and and how to hook people. And I'm not just talking about what you're selling, right. But mentally as well. Right. So, like, how did you like the way that you went and you distributed? Basically, you used uh, the party plan. The Tupperware did it. You get a bunch <laughs> of people together, and and you, know, you show the thing, and that was kind of it. So, I mean, how did you market it? I mean, tell that story because it's very interesting. Well, well, you know, it, it starts off with, with just one. You have to get somebody to to buy into your idea. You know, yes. if you can't get one person to buy in, you're not never going to get the world to buy in. So, I, I just basically go from from one person to the next. The first one that bid in, you know, because none of my brothers did. 
you know, when I went come home and I was like, man, I think I found a new thing and and uh, it's it's cocaine and and they was like, cocaine. <laughs> What does it look like? <laughs> so just because they didn't know what it was, they were totally against the idea. So the first person that bit in was my partner, Ali Newell. And he was like, well, I'll go with you and I'll help you. And 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 it just started from there. And, and me and him together just started out so, marketing it and talking to people. And, and you know, we started off making $20 a week and then $100 a week and then Five hundred dollars a day, and then a thousand a day, and then ten thousand a day, and 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 you know, and so forth and so forth. It just exploded. So, did you go out free samples to all your friends that were doubters in the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I did do with them. Once I I, I I got to a certain level, my thinking was, okay, now let's teach them what you learn. <clears throat> give them the same opportunity you had so okay so that that's business now you're replicating so absolutely. so you can go out there and and open up your your distribution absolutely so you had a sales team <laughs> so how, how was your onboarding process how would you pick the guy that i mean i mean obviously the person gonna be able to keep his mouth shut and all those other things but how did you pick them and then how did you train them did they go through like a little course or a day thing you talk to them or like how did you absolutely do it? absolutely I, I would take them first of all how did i pick them i was looking for guys like me you know, people who didn't have a job, okay. you know, uh, you could be educated or not educated. It didn't really matter, you know, as long as you could count. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I would count you, was the big part. That's, that's the biggest part. Just count. <laughs> Can you count the money? <laughs> you know what $10 is? <laughs> you know what a 20 look like or 50? If you can do that, you're good. So uh, 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 I would take them through the process. I would also teach them how to weigh it. I eventually taught them how to cook it up. And like you said, I was replicating myself because, like right now, I wish I could replicate myself again. We all do. Because I have, <laughs> because we have a lot of opportunities right. that I can't be present to take True, care of. Man. So I wish I had somebody else that could think like me, yep. uh, uh, act like me. So, okay. So you got this potential prospect candidate in front of you. So how do you know that this guy is the kind of guy that, He's going to be able to keep his mouth shut. He's going to do what he says. He's going to be a good earner. Like You must have had some kind of a vetting process in your mind, a feeling. You ask him some questions. Street rep. Oh, I no mean, doubt. Cred, no I doubt. mean, what? Well, Mike, we grew up, I grew up in South Central. All right. Gang yeah. infested South Central. Sure. You know, at that time, the gangs were at an all-time high. Okay, so they were talking about gangs. How did you not get all the gangs fighting each other and you kept out of all that mess? Because <laughs> that, that comes to the process of picking them out. I mean, yeah. you, you got to do Mike, that. Mike, you too quick. You got to. <laughs> no, Mike's our resident genius. He's sharp. I already know. I know who he is. <laughs> so how would I pick them? Mm -hmm. Well, we know in our neighborhood, talking wasn't something that we did. And these guys were mostly gang affiliated, mm -hmm. so they had probably been in trouble for, you know, fighting, shooting, and, and all other things. That, I mean, our neighborhood was not... Uh, uh, sure. They weren't trusting the police to begin with. No. And they didn't like... No, none of us liked the police. It wasn't Beverly yeah. Hills. They so all it had, was built in. They all had probably sit on the curve <laughs> a few times. So, so you, you already have a pool of people yeah. who don't have money, they're unemployed, uh, more than likely can't get a normal job. Mm -hmm. So those are your prospects. Now the problem is, can they handle making two or three hundred dollars a day? Just two or three hundred dollars a day, because it gets even tougher. It's life changing. It's life changing. I mean, at that time, the people that I looked up to at that time probably were making five hundred. The people who worked at like Todd Shipyard, the toiletitia company. Mm -hmm. um, 
they were like the, the, the wealth havers in my community. You know, they drove the Cadillacs and they had a house and, and everybody wanted to go to Todd Shipyard and get a, Todd Shipyard and get a job. Um, but what were they making a day at the shipyard? Like it wasn't even close to what? Uh, yeah, probably only a hundred bucks a day. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, you know, after taxes. But that was a good job. But now you got guys that you can teach them how to make $500 a day. Can they handle that? You know, so, so, so it becomes not only do you have guys that can keep their mouth shut, that can count, but can they handle the money? Uh, <clears throat> it's funny that uh, the youngest guy that, that I worked with at that time uh, just got out of prison. He had a life sentence as well. And me and him were sitting down and we were talking about the first time that, that I met him. And he came over to my house. He's about 14 years old. And before um, I knew it, this kid was 18 years old. He had two Rolls Royces, first Testarossa in L.A. He <laughs> wait, wait, he's driving chain. around the hood with, with Rolls Royces and Testarossas. Yeah, standing at his mom's. He was you, still, he was still standing at his like mom's that? house. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> he was still standing at his mom's house on 83rd and Broadway. Uh, That's definitely not going to He's the first attention. person I've ever seen with one of those big, big medallions on. Jesus. And, and he used to hide it from me. I, I, I didn't know because uh, uh, somebody told me. He said, you ever seen Tommy's uh, uh, a medallion? And I was like, no. He said, oh, he got diamonds all in it and, and everything. So it, it came not only to the point to could you count, would you keep your mouth closed, but now would you not Show wear off. your wealth all yep. on your back and 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 tip everybody off to what we were doing. And that's that's kind of how the cops eventually found out that that it was so much money in L.A. Um, <clears throat> you know, when the, when the cops went to trial, uh, you know, there was a, a task force that was called the Freeway Task Force that was put together to, to, to get me. And where I wind up testifying against them in court for uh, planting drugs and, and lying on the witness stand. Uh, one of the first things that they said is when they first started investigating us that they never knew that that kind of money was in South Central L.A. until after wow. they started seeing the guys showing their wealth. So so back to Mike's question, though. How do you know when you're sitting across from them? What test, what questions would you ask? What was the process for vetting somebody? Well, you don't know. When you first meet somebody, you don't know who they are. You know, you have to go through a process of vetting them out. And my my vetting is put you on the job, you know, go to work. Here's X amount of work, go to work, get started and do your thing. And I, I got beat a lot. I mean, you, you're going to, you're going to lose. What was the ratio of, of losing? I mean, I could have 10 guys go bad and one do right. And it would. Wow. How many of those guys took their money and walked away and said, I've made enough. I'm going to go start another business somewhere else. Out of all the guys you had, how many did that? I know two guys that didn't go to prison yeah. for selling cocaine. Out of all the guys that I work with, I know two that didn't go to prison. The rest um, mm -hmm. couldn't quit. You know, I mean, it was like, okay, I'm going to do one more deal, one they, more deal. They won't quit. <clears throat> no. I don't, you could even tell them. Like, <laughs> in, in my case, it was about three people that actually went out on their own and did ex extremely well. And I would go and go, listen, we're under police investigation. I'm pretty sure, in fact, that facility has uh, is going to get busted very shortly. And they go, well, harvest is only like two weeks away. And I go, listen, like, I'm going to leave it up to you, whatever you do. Every time I did that, every single time, 
they stayed and I go, we're just going to ride out till the cops come. Now it wasn't cocaine. It was, it was weed. So the charge was a lot less still human nature. The reason I'm asking you these questions, it goes, it lends itself to human nature. And once you understand human nature, you understand people. That's kind of why I was, I was asking this question. You're right. People won't stop. They will go to the bitter end with you because that's all they know. And then, you know, like <clears throat> in our neighborhood, going to prison is like a, a rites of passage. Oh, wow. You know, you become a big homie. Badge of honor, huh? Yeah. When you come out of prison, oh, you, you just got out of the county jail. Oh, what's up, homie? What was it like? You know, so so in, in South Central, it's not a bad thing to go to prison. Sure. I mean. Uh, Different uh, culture. I was prepared to go to prison. When, when I was in prison <clears throat> and I, I thought back to conversations that I had with my girl. And I was like, what you going to do when I go to prison? So if I'm asking these type of questions, then I'm already prepared to go to prison. When I hadn't been in the police car, I wasn't on the investigation. But at the same time, I want to know what position you're going to play when it all falls down. When it all, when it all happened, tell me about the day you got arrested. What was that like? And how did you feel when you just go, fuck, the gig is up? Oh, man, it was crazy. Uh, for me, though, it was a little different because cops were shooting at me as well. Oh. So it wasn't just... That always makes things a lot more exciting. Going to prison wasn't just the, 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 the gist of it. Um, I was I quit selling. So wait a minute. They were shooting at you the day they arrested you? Yeah. I quit selling drugs. Uh, I hadn't sold drugs. Do you body. think maybe they were trying to kill you just to silence you? I, I, I don't know. They were shooting at my head, though. <laughs> I heard bullets. You ever heard a bullet whizz yeah. by your head? Yeah. Yeah, well, I heard that. No. So I, <laughs> I never I know, I know what that's like. Jamie? <laughs> never. Never once. I never heard him thump around the ground. Well, nobody would shoot at you anyway, Jamie. The whizz by your head? You don't head? know me. <laughs> Is that the most sobering feeling ever? Does Getting it wake shot you at? up? Yeah. Like I'm drinking a, a monster fun. soda. <laughs> Is it 10 times that? Yeah. Oh, man. What an adrenaline it's, it's, rush. So, like, how did you stop them from shooting you? I mean, obviously, they had an agenda. So, so I, I, there they are. And like, like, how did it all go down? I'm running from house to house, right? Wow. I'm out pouring concrete. I got on rubber boots. So, when mm. I hear the car screech, I take off running. So, you hadn't been selling for how long? A year and a half. Okay. But, you know, with the feds, they can go back seven years. Seven years after you yeah. make a sale, mm -hmm. they can go back. If they want to, they they only technically supposed to go back five. But if the, if they really really want to, they can say, oh, we can squeeze in an extra two years because this guy here he was a real bad actor, and we really need to get him off the streets. Wow. So I'm pouring concrete this day, and and I hear the car screech, and one of my guys who who because who, I kept my lookouts with me whenever everywhere I go, and one of them was like, hey man, there was the cops just they coming, they coming. So I run out the back gate. Well, when I get to the alley, it's cops in the alley, and they just start shooting as soon as they see me. Bang, what? Bang, 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 bang. Wow. So I turn, and I jump over a fence. How many cops you had shooting at you? Oh, I don't know. The whole neighborhood, the helicopter, they had helicopter. Can they legally shoot at you for no reason like that? They're not supposed to. No, they're not supposed Jesus to. Jesus Christ. They're only supposed to shoot when you're uh, <clears throat> threatening. Resisting, yeah. Yeah, when you're resisting. So... Uh, I'm running from house to house, and every house fence I jump over, they start shooting. Bang, 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 bang. So oh, finally, wait, hang on. Like, what the hell's going through your head? You're jumping over fences. I'm going to die. This is my last day. And, and, and like, really, I'm serious. Like, what is going through your mind at that moment? Like, this is my last day. Where really? can I hide? Is there, is there anywhere to hide? And I'd already, uh, I'd already figured that the neighborhood was surrounded. Yeah. You know, I knew that the whole community was surrounded. Well, I can get to this house, and the door was open. Oh, man. So I go in the door and I lock the door behind me. And when I walk in, this guy walks up and said, what are you doing in my house? 
So then I tell him who I was. I say, man, I'm Rick Ross and da-da-da-da. And the cops are chasing me. They're trying to kill me. He said, okay, sit down. And uh, he sit there and we we talking and uh, he asked me, you got some money? Did <laughs> <laughs> he really? Yeah. Amazing. So I had about $1,500 in my pocket. Yep. I put out, I gave him all of it. Casually, <clears throat> just had 1500 Shake down, baby, shake, shake down. down. So um, I'm, I'm like nervous as hell. Uh, I call my lawyer, tell my lawyer what's mm-hmm. going on, that I'm trapped. Would he come and get me? And uh, the lawyer said, okay, he's on his way. So uh, I'm sitting in there maybe hour, and then all of a sudden a knock on the door. Oof, that knock. Going, to, going home to home? Home to home yeah. with the dog. So I run in the house. I said, man, you better go out so you don't get in no trouble. So the guy goes out, and he leaves the door open, and the cops come in, yeah. and they find me in the closet. They tell me to get out the closet. I get out, so get on my knees. I get on my knees, and when mm-hmm. I put my hands like this, he cuffs me, and the dog goes crazy, bite my legs, all in between my legs, and and I'm laying there, and I'm like, oh, you know, trying to take it, and then all of a sudden, I can't take it no more, yeah. and I start kicking the dog, and that's when they hit me right here with a flashlight, and then here, and I think here, and they broke the flashlight right there. Wow. And then he took a a big skillet and just crammed me over the head. And that's the last thing I remember until I'm standing up in the hallway and uh, covered in blood. And um, they put me on a stretcher, take me out, and um, thought that would be my last day on the street. Yeah. And you're unarmed that whole time? Yeah, totally unarmed. Jesus. Man. Man. Yeah, they knew you were unarmed. I mean, they saw you running. They didn't have a weapon in your hands. Yeah, they knew we were... Because they had passed by earlier and surveyed the uh, the place, and my guy told sure. me. But I was like, I ain't been selling drugs in, in a year and a half. I don't know. I have a secret indictment pending, you know. Uh, um, so he told me, hey, Narcs just came by, and I was like, I ah, don't worry about them. We ain't doing nothing. So they knew what we were doing. It's a hell of a story. Yeah, but that helped me when I went to court, you know, had... Had these cops been doing everything by the book, like they should have been, you know, by law, I wouldn't be sitting here today. You know, they would have. Uh, so was <clears> that, <throat> all that abuse was actually a silver lining? Well, yeah, the abuse, way. the planting of drugs. I mean, you know, the lying on the witness stand, the fabricating search warrants. You know, had they not been doing that type of activity mm-hmm. uh, when they went to the feds, I would, I would still be in prison right now. So They probably uh, would have caught you unless they did that, actually. <laughs> that's why they did it so i'm thankful that that i went through all that you know um that gave me a second chance in life so when you go into prison because you you kind of took on the task of educating yourself in that right absolutely absolutely uh when i got to prison you know um i, I was depending on my lawyer to fight my case you know i paid him a lot of money and i felt that uh he was more qualified than I was to represent me in, in court. Thank and, God. And, and like he, you never want to defend yourself in court. <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, uh, yeah, they got a saying, uh, a client that has as his lawyer, That's right. has itself for a lawyer, is a client that's a fool. <laughs> Something like that. That's but no, I didn't want to represent so. myself. Uh, but what I did find out is that I should know more about my case than my lawyer did. So what I did is I started, first I had to teach myself how to read and write, because you know I couldn't read and write. You know, reading and writing wasn't a qualification. Okay, of, so wait, you're in prison, you can't read and write, so how do you teach yourself to read and write? 
I mean, you've got <clears> challenges <throat> now. I mean, you know that you want to get in there, you want to learn, you want to do all those things, and now you can't. It's going to be very frustrating. It is. It's very, I mean, I was in there, I couldn't read my letters, you know, so... My cellie is reading my letters for me. I come back to the cell one day after the lawyer had me an indictment. And I was like, man, read this indictment for me. And he was like, for real, man? And I was like, yeah, for real, man. Because <laughs> this is my boy. You know, your uh, cellie becomes sure. your best friend. Yeah. You know, uh, if you ever go to prison, the person who you're in a cell with becomes closer to you than anybody in the world. Because you're with him, you know. 22 hours a day, sometimes, sometimes 24 hours a day. You know, if you're on lockdown, they don't let you out. You and him are together the whole time, and they slide your food through the, through the tray hole. So you and him are together. So um, I told him that I couldn't read, and he said, I could teach you how to read. And I was like, they couldn't teach me how to read in school. I went 12 years of school, and nobody could teach me how to read. How can you do it in this short period of time? So he made me some cue cards with my ABCs. Taught me how to sign wow. out my ABCs, and in a couple of weeks, I was reading. In two weeks? Yeah. Wow. Started with the newspaper, and then went from the newspaper to my indictment, and, and just kept going. And how old were you at <clears> this time? Nah, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> 29. That's 29 good. years old. All right. So then what happens after that? Like, now you're in prison, and what do you learn in prison? I mean, must have been a bunch of... Inter- and federal prisoners are very... You know, Oh, wide so, variety of topics you can oh talk to with, the, with all the, uh, the well, well, you get exposure to things that you've never, I mean, somebody like me who that, that was never exposed to. Um, and, and I've always been a seeker of knowledge. You mm-hmm. know, I've always sure. want to learn. I always want to be smart. I want to be bright. I want to be successful. So <clears throat> even in prison, I, I want to be right. I want to hang out with the smart people. So I started out with the law books. And then after I had learn to master the law, then I wanted to learn some other things. You know, I was I saw that I was gonna be getting out of prison. Mm-hmm. I saw that they didn't have the 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 like, evidence to give me a life sentence. So I said, now what are you gonna do? You're gonna get out of prison. It's a good chance you're gonna get out. You know, this court, you know, the district court, they're not gonna see it, but the appeals court are gonna see it. What you gonna do then? So I started to educate myself. I started to hang out with uh guys that had Made a lot of money, you know. Um, I remember when Charles Keaton came through the junk. Oh, Charles Keaton, he was there, really. Yeah, Charles Keaton, right, right around the corner. The guy who owned the I Phoenician Hotel in uh, Scottsdale or whatever the hell it was. I was yeah. there when uh, he first walked in. and He was scared to death, and I told him, "Look, you're gonna be all right. Don't worry. <laughs> we got your back. You can come to the floor because he he didn't want to uh, he didn't want to come in population. Sure. So uh, yeah, I knew I knew Charles. Um, Did you learn anything from him? Very little. He didn't stay there long. You know, he didn't stay long. They took him to Scottsdale a short time after he was uh, in MDC. <clears throat> but other guys did teach me, you know. Uh, what was your most interesting lesson? Like, like this blew you away. Like, here I get to talk to this guy. And, you know. Well, there was a book that they gave me, um, Gordon Hall from Arizona. He's the guy that started the um, 24-hour, 24-hour fitness Thing. He's the guy that started, and he wouldn't pay taxes. Yeah, well, he didn't feel he didn't feel that he should pay taxes. He was like, "It was my money. Why should I pay?" None taxes? of us, none <laughs> of us, pay your taxes. So he played basketball with us. You know, he's a white guy. Mm-hmm. Played basketball with us all brothers. He'd be the only white guy on the court, but he can't. And, and he was like just super muscled and, and everything, and, and he couldn't figure out why he couldn't win. 
And so one day he comes to me and he's like, man, these guys keep pushing me around the court and I know I'm stronger than them. I was like, oh, you don't know the technique. So uh, I teach him the technique about playing basketball, how to box out and, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> and and so forth. And then he went to the court, he did well. So the next day he comes over to my cell and he was like, I got a present for you. And he threw me a book. That book was called The Richest Man in Babylon. Oh, and when I read that book, that book helped me to write my book. It made me start to analyze the world in a different light than I had ever did. I mean, I, I, so you had to retrain your brain to think differently. Correct. Okay. And I know that I had some of the traits. I had some some of those same traits, but yeah. it was some I didn't know that I, I I could use, and and I didn't know how to use those same things all the time. You know, like. You might just accidentally do something and then you never do it again, you know. But from reading this book, it taught me how to do it consistently over and over and over. Whenever I got ready, I could turn it on. And then somebody else turned me on to another book, Think and Grow Rich. And then somebody else turned me on to another book, As a Man Think. And after I started reading these books and I'm like, wow, my whole perception of life started to change change yeah. and be different and and these lights are going off in my head like oh you can do whatever you wanted to do the same skills you use to sell drugs you could have used yep exactly the same in any business that you went into correct so how do how do um how do we get kids in south central to read those books now well I, there has to be the first want, of all right? first of all let's go let's go even deeper how do we get our school districts and the teachers mm. Because you can't judge the student. If, I mean, if you're judging the student, the first thing you do is judge the teacher. I, I was fortunate enough a couple weeks ago, um, my kids went to school last year, my two babies, for the first time. They went to public school. I want them to go to public school just sure. so they get a feel of them. You know, like, I don't want you to just to be, you know, a little nerd and, and you know, never get bullied, you know, never know what it's like to get bullied. and then Tough skin. Tough yeah, skin. you got to have some tough. So I, I wanted them to go to, to, to regular school for a little while. A little real life. <clears throat> yeah, some real life. So... I go over to the school and I'm, I'm just like paying attention and I'm listening to the teachers. Oh, he's terrible. That kid over there, he's a bad kid. And I'm like, how could you say that about a kid, about a five or six-year-old kid? You, you call him bad? And, and you really feel that. So now if you feel that he's bad, he can't be taught. So right. you just wrote him off. Correct. Yeah. So I told the principal, I said, listen, man, your teacher's got the wrong attitude. You know, uh, uh, to label a kid something is wrong. And I was like, you need to let me speak to your teachers. He let me speak to all his teachers. <laughs> I bet they listened. Were they, they were receptive? Like, oh. They were. They were. I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was my first time ever speaking to, I, I've spoken at a lot of schools to the students, but never to the teachers. So it was a different experience. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I talked to them about, uh, uh, I know some of you all don't really want to be teachers. I know you just took this job because it was a quick paying job and you could get a check. And, and teaching is what, not what you really want to do, that you just hear a stepping stone, but you've been here 20 years. So it's no longer a stepping stone. This has become your career. And if yeah. it's your career, you need to take it as if it's your career and be serious about it. You know, anything that I do, if I do something, I'm, I'm all in. You know, I'm, I'm not going to play with it. You know, uh, <clears throat> Just like I know when, when, when we sell drugs, we pretty much have committed everything that we have to selling drugs. Because when you look at it, you could get killed 
You could go to prison yeah. or rob at any given time. Yeah. And so when you're selling drugs, you're putting it all on the line. You're not holding anything back. And 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 that's the way uh, that I live my life. I, I've, uh, the one thing that they told me don't do is don't put your life on the line no more and your freedom. But you can put everything else, you can put it out there. All the money, put all the money, all right, put all the money on the table. Roll the dice. I'm going to get it back. You can get that back, but you can't get your life back. You can't get your freedom back. So those are the two things that I learned out of all my lessons. Do not put those two on the line. That's powerful. How, Mike asked you a question earlier about how you avoided turf wars. How did you avoid getting caught Mike up? Mike is too fast. <laughs> we got to like, slow Mike down. He asked you two at a time, but um, I'm curious about that. It's a good question. How well, did you well, avoid? Well, well, you know, some of my friends say that, that uh, I probably created the first truce. In, in, in South Central with the gangs because uh, what happened is when guys start making money, they don't want turf wars. Yeah. If you're making money, you don't want anybody coming over here shooting your block up because they're going to burn the police. So uh, uh, we used to see where Crips would be on Crip streets and Bloods would be with Bloods and, and they all working on the block together to, to accomplish a common goal. I believe that if, if if we wanted to stop a lot of the violence, what, what we would have to do is create opportunities for people to feel important. You know, right now, uh, what a lot of the kids in South Central feel makes them important is a pair of Jordans, uh, a jacket, you know, the girls, a, a nice weave job. Uh, I know, those, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but those are superficial. weave, Jamie? You know, you know I have a weave. I did not know that. Yeah. We knew now, though. <laughs> But but wait, Mike, did you hear what he said? What? Opportunity to make people feel important. That's what he's creating. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean crazy people that people you people would that do psychology. so people would do so much for you if you can make them feel important. Right. You know. But most we, people don't understand that. We don't. We don't. We don't. And I didn't understand it either in, until after I started reading, you know, three hundred books. It took me over three hundred books and hours and hours of studying in magazines and analyzing myself and analyzing my, my community to come to uh, this conclusion. Where do you live now? You still live in that same neighborhood? South Central. South Central. Yep. I stay right down the street. Uh, uh, I ain't going to give out my address. But. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's it's the 110. <laughs> right next to the 110, baby. All roads lead to the 110. The 110. So what, So back to the kids in South Central, though. How How could What could Mike and I do to provide books or opportunities for the kids that are entrepreneurial that want to pave their own way in South Central and what what could we do together to help them well I mean we could start off with books I mean we could start we could start what what I what I tried to tell people to do look 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 what I, I presented this and I got to the top of BT when I first got out right I had this idea I say look so I, I went with them with an idea let's do a, a, a show let's go and get 12, 20 kids, you know, maybe, who's about to go to jail. Let's go talk to the judge and say, judge, give them one more chance. Let us work with them for six months, a year, and see if we can get them on the right track. Yeah. You know, let's, let's, make them, let's make them read these books. Let's make them study. Then not only uh, uh, do we get them job training, but we're going to go to the job with them and sit there with them. When they fill out the application, we're going to talk to the boss with them. You know, kind of like a chaperone almost, somebody to, mm -hmm. to mentor you. Because I, what I understand I, I did is 
<clears throat> I was mentored by guys. Not guys who mentored me on their own, but I, I went to them for mentorship. And, and, and they gave it to me unknowingly. Mm-hmm. And I would take this from him, that from him, that from him. And then I would come up with my own game plan. And that's basically how I did it. And I was like, well, why do we give the... Because they getting, they getting taught too. They getting taught, but they getting taught by the wrong guys. You know, a lot of times we, we don't pick our friends. Uh, we just take whoever's there, you know, and, instead of taking the time out and saying, you know, like, Big Mike, <laughs> I'm hanging with Big Mike. Wherever Big Mike go, I'm going. Whatever Big Mike do, I do. Whatever Big Mike say, I say. When, when you start to do that, then I know that I'm gonna get the same results Big Mike is getting, right? So, uh, uh, but they don't have they don't. Not only do they not have the, I don't know, the inspiration to think they can do that. They don't have a model, and so they're missing a lot of what they're missing as a father, right? No father, mostly no fathers in so, some century. I mean, in absolutely in everything I've read about that is the most important role model. Is the father? Because well, the father, he's the father's one, the disciplinary. You yeah. know, he's the more firm one. The women are more sympathetic. You know, they're gonna pretty much give the kid whatever they yeah. want. You know, and uh, if they get if they don't get what they want, the the mother's like, you know, oh poor little Johnny, whatever. Right, but dad's right. like, well, you didn't do it and right. show up early and yeah. work harder. And, We're gonna take your phone. Yeah, and so yeah. like my kids, they, they they get tired of hitting backhands. They don't want to hit no more backhands. The mom say, oh, you you making them dislike the game. They're not gonna like tennis anymore. And and they hear that, and then they start to say, oh, daddy's wrong and mom's right. And, you know, they start good to guy, choose. Good guy, bad guy. Good guy, bad guy. Mm-hmm. But we need to create a situation where, first of all, that these people know that they need it. Right. See, it's bad when you don't know that you need this information. It's, if you don't know you need it, why do I even want to think about thinking about it? So, the- so, so we have to create a situation where they say, ah, maybe that's something good. Maybe maybe that might benefit me. Maybe I can get a house. Maybe I can uh, uh, open up a business. Maybe I can be somebody instead of uh, 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 just living, you know, just watching soap operas. And, and, and hanging out with your peers that, I mean, good role models. And my like man ice. Gary V say telling each other lies, you know, yeah. telling each other, oh, we're going to be great one day, you know, uh, uh, when Jesus come, why they turn up a bottle. Yeah. So how do we do that? Well, it starts with what we're doing right now. I mean, this is a start. You know, uh, uh, I feel like that I've been fighting this battle since I've been home. You know, I've been going around to juvenile. I go to juvenile detention centers. Uh, <clears throat> I wrote this book. You know, my book, my book is a roadmap to what I did. I mean, uh, if a person takes this book and follow these steps, he can't miss you know, um, I believe that success is repetitious, doing the same thing right over and over again. Yeah, sometimes you can do it right and it may not go right. But if you constantly do it over and over, eventually you're going to start getting what they call lucky and have right. some right situations. So I believe that if we just start simple, you know, maybe with a, a certain group, a certain school and make that school a, a model per se of what could be and and then get the politicians to start putting the money in the right places because they they spend right now we spend about 50,000 a year to keep a guy in prison. Our teachers don't make 50,000 in most schools. So if we get a good teacher give her a raise. So what if she teach 
teaches kindergarten or elementary or yeah. sixth grade or fifth grade. No, give her, give her, give her a little more money. Encourage her to do better, and then what that'll do is make the other teachers want to do better, or to bring better qualified people into yeah. the 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 arena to uh, um, to assist our kids. The initiative is is sweeter. I had a, I have a friend. Her daughter just went to college at fourteen years old. Wow. And, and her younger daughter, the younger daughter is is like nine, and she told me, uh, "I'm gonna beat my sister. I'm gonna go to college at 11. Wow. So, so I'm like, "Wow!" You know, and, and my kids are, are, are both a grade and a half ahead of of where they're supposed to be already. Um, and wow. it's just because uh, the wife has poured the education into them. You know what I'm saying? And I poured the, the tennis into them. And she forced education. <laughs> Your son's laughing back there, I hear. <laughs> so I want to ask Mike the same question he asked you. When when you would interview, how would you tell it was somebody you could trust? Oh. Did you have a test? What? No. Yeah, yeah, I, I, of sorts. So it's like, who do you know? Then I, I would go talk to those people who knew that oh. and try to find out the character of this person. Yeah, they were, you know. Yeah, they got to come from a referral. A referral, <laughs> you know. And uh, just ask them, you know, like, have you ever done this before? And, you know, what's involved? And here's what I'm going to provide for you. And they lay it all out. Explain what the cut is up front. Uh, everything's up front. They agree to it. Put them into the house. Or Did you have the same warehouse. ratio of failure? What do you mean? What, what ratio? Because well, he was saying like one out of ten, right? Yeah. Would make it? Oh, uh, if, I, if I picked a candidate, they usually did really well. I mean, I, they would. I, there was a big. I had a. I had a. I had crews of people, so they just had to take care of the plants, and I would bring in a person, and that person would teach them how to take care of the plants. And I had people who set up the room, put in the electric, did the air conditioning, all separate teams that would come in. You know, it's different. Different game. Oh, it is. And different. Totally, totally, totally different rules. And different. Too. And different yeah. set of people too. You know, uh, the guys Mike was probably dealing with was more educated. You know, the guys who I was. They were educated too, but from the state pen. Yeah. So yeah, so it was a different. Smart. Yeah, more more different. You know where 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 they were coming up, beat the plug, as they say right now. You mm -hmm. know the rappers talk about, oh, yeah. beat the plug. Well, yeah. well, this has been grained into these guys to to to. What's think. that mean? It's the guy who sells the weed, the plug. The, <laughs> the guy who gets you your shit, like he's the guy, uh, like the plug. So so they've been taught to to beat you, to take advantage of you any way they can, not to to help you get bigger. Which will also mean that they would get bigger. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and one thing that Mike was telling me the other day that was fascinating to me is he he tried for a long time to be invisible because when he was growing he didn't want like he would go places. I did too. Was, I want to be invisible. That's a that's a fascinating <laughs> yeah. for me never experiencing that. Well, what are you doing it from the, from the business thing. aspect? We, we were both probably doing it from the business aspect right. of it, right. and, but and, it still is a big. That's a big life decision to to be underground like that and be invisible like you know mike's, That's the only way mike's, you last. A, mike's a tall you can't guy <laughs> like he sticks out right he does he does and so for him to to be invisible is um i don't know that that was well, not invisible by me. size you know just yeah, right. so, so so he just didn't want to get noticed right he yeah. didn't want to be driving down in a ferrari that's right uh, uh, he's not going to be wearing all the gold nope. you know you didn't want to have the same patterns either right right and by the way some of my guys made a lot of money and they would go out and they would buy cars. I go, you fucking take that back right now. Like you're done. Like that. You don't do that. I, I made people take shit back and, and I wouldn't allow them to do it. 
Like you can no. You don't Did you do the same thing? No, I didn't. I wasn't smart enough to uh to do that. To do that. But my guys they hid it from me. You know, they would hide oh, their cars. Oh, yeah, yeah. They would hide their cars from me. You know, I, I would hear in the streets, oh man, you see such such as Porsche. Yeah, that happened to me too. I catch a girl. Hey, come here. And then no, and then it's and human then, nature. But see, here's the thing. It's human nature we're talking about. It's it's the same. And Mike probably come from yeah. a two family home, right? What you come from two family home? Uh, I, I can, no, a two family. Uh, no, mother, my, father. No, no, they they got divorced. Oh yeah, okay, okay. My father died at seventeen. Yeah, was well, see, 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 with us, we we didn't have anybody to teach us. We right. kind of learned by trial and error. You know, I didn't have anybody to 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 to, to walk me through what I should be doing with, with myself. I mean, you know, I, I, when I look back, I was sitting in prison. I was like, why didn't nobody in my family come and say, hey, get a McDonald's? You know, uh, uh, go get a Jack in the Box. Uh, you know, just you put that money to the side and do this or do that. Yeah, I didn't have anybody to do that. You know, and, my, my and, side hustle was advanced nutrients. <laughs> I knew when I got busted. Like I said, I told my partners, we're, we're going to get busted. It's not if it's it's when. And I realized that that would would be a safety out. net. Yeah, right. And so that was in place, and they didn't. Luckily, they didn't touch it, and the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. Are you an only child? No, no, I have a, a, a older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, Did your brother work for you? A sister. Yeah, sometimes when, yeah, when he works. <laughs> Did, Bring the family in, sure. Did your older brother ever try to help guide you or parent you or father you at all? No, nah, he doesn't. He mm-hmm. my, my older brother is is, is kind of a, 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 what's the correct word without disrespecting him? <laughs> you know, he's not going to take chances. Let me say that. Conservative. He's, he's adverse to risk. He's yeah. risk averse. Conservative. Yeah, he's yeah, conservative. He's conservative. Yeah. You know, he's not going to think outside the box. Um, uh, 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 he's low key. I don't know if it's low key is the correct word, but he, he he's not going to do anything sure. different than what he's been doing every single day. A lesson. It's hard to get him to, to change his patterns. Challenge say. himself. Yeah. So, and then I had, I had three, uh, three cousins that uh, were just like my, my brothers and sisters as well uh, that my mom had adopted when 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 uh, we were little. I laugh because I had my cousin from Estonia. I flew him and he worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I started to do the same yeah. thing. I started to fly my cousin in from, from Texas <laughs> because they had a different mentality. You know, they had been yeah. hauling hay and puckwood. Yeah. And, and it was crazy that uh, I bring one of my cousins in from Texas who had been hauling puckwood and he just runs right through my crew and goes straight to the top. Uh, but he went so crazy that he thought that he could do to me what he did to the rest of them. He just took over, and I was like, oh, "Hold up, buddy, this is still my operation. Oh, my you ain't, you're not taking over my operation. Yeah. You you pass those other guys like that, but not me. You know, I I I, I have a a little competition thing about me where I, I don't really like people mm-hmm. uh, being ahead of me. You know, I, I mean, and nothing you, personal. You got an anti-authoritarian complex. I used to have that for years. <laughs> you don't have it anymore. No, I, I, you I, you no, follow I, the rules now? Oh yeah, I actually was. You love authority? I was, I was no. Like, look, look, it's it's. I respect authority. That's a difference there. Yeah, Mike, but Mike you're is, just, you're before, just before, before, the no, but you understand. Bro, you're but, the but most Mike, you became no, the authority. Before I didn't. Before I didn't, I, I, I could have cared less. Like who was chasing me? What they were doing? What was going on? Seriously, like, and now I do. Maybe we're talking about two different things, but you're the, one of the most competitive guys I know. Shots fired. That's the only way he could get to where he is. Yeah, it's it's a it's a well, good look trait. At, ah, you said I'm competitive. This guy's a tennis player. He was very good at it. He was competitive too. 
Oh, no question. I, no I, question. I got mine from basketball. And, and I know that my tennis played a big role mm -hmm. in my success because yep. in tennis, if you're not number one, you're nothing. Mm -hmm. So you're just constantly practicing to get to that number one spot, practicing to get to that number yep. one spot. So, Okay, so if we can kind of like summarize and get get you to in you know as as well as you can if you were to go back and sit in a room alone with yourself when you were 24 and you had like 10 minutes to cram in everything you were going to tell yourself but imagining those 24 year old kids are everywhere here right what what would you say about life relationships making money business leadership all of it what are the big Wow, that's a lot, Chris. That's a oh, lot. I know. That is a lot. I'm thinking, what the hell? too long, Chris. What are the first three things that come, <laughs> come to mind? Like the what, big what, ones. Well, the first thing that I would have to tell him is that you are great. And that you can do anything that you put your mind to. It may not be easy. You know, it may not come easy. But if you take your time and you make it a burning Desire, I think, is what my man Napoleon Hill calls it. Correct. He calls it a burning desire. When if you make it your burning desire to accomplish a particular goal, then uh, you're going to accomplish it. I, I realized that uh, <clears throat> I went to a movie called Superfly, oh. and when I saw that movie, and I walked out at the theater, I wanted to be Superfly. I mean, I really, really wanted to be Superfly, and I became Superfly. You know, I became a real live superfly in 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 all respects, and I I believe that cocaine is what gave Superfly his power. And when the opportunity came for me to get inside of the cocaine business, I jumped at it because I had fed that to my subconscious mind so often. Just like I realized that I fed to my subconscious mind that I was going to prison unconsciously when I was telling my girl, what are you going to do when I go to prison? Are you going to run? Are you going to come see me? So I'm telling myself, my subconscious mind, oh, you're going to prison. You're going to prison, buddy. You're going to prison, buddy. So what happens is your subconscious mind starts to bring that to you. And, and I didn't know those techniques when, when, you're right. when I was doing it. Yeah. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, you make a movie and your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between <clears throat> real or, or imagined. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the power of the subconscious is programming it that way. Yes. You did it inadvertently. Exactly. I did the so same you, shit too, by the way. <laughs> we so got a lot of the same traits. We were just in the, in the wrong, uh, different businesses. Yep. <laughs> same techniques, I see. So you would tell yourself to, to watch the movie that's going on in your head. Correct. Because it will dictate future. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Just like right now, if I get a negative thought come through, or if somebody comes and they give me some, a negative thought, I know, get it out quick. Do not let it sit there and, and, and simmer and foster, you know, because they say the oak tree starts from a little bitty seed. So if you let that little seed stay there and it sits, gets in the dirt and it starts to get watered and, and don't put none of Mike's uh, nutrients on it either. <laughs> yeah, resentment. That's what happens. Well, or like put, put Mike's nutrients on the good ones. On the good yep. ones. Right. Absolutely. Plenty of, plenty of nutrients on the good ones. Sprinkle yeah. a little big butt on the positive <laughs> What's funny is he answered that pretty close to how I would imagine you would answer that. Yep. Yeah. Did that resonate with you? Yeah, sure. A lot of things he's saying is resonating. That's why I'm able to ask him these questions because I, I understand where his mindset is. And, and the thing that I'm trying to get across to all the listeners and, and viewers out here is that it's about human nature. 
does the path of human nature is exactly the same. So once you understand human nature, things get a lot easier for you. Yeah. What would be the second thing? That was so telling yourself you are great. Well, the second thing is then you have to find out what it is that you want to do in life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you want to be a movie star, you know, people come up to me all the time, and, and most of them want to be movie stars and rappers. How do I? How do I do it? And the first thing I tell them is, hey, you just pick one of the hardest businesses that that you can pick. Yes. You know, because they got they got people who really want to be movie stars. You know, like I know a guy who I'm gonna give you an example: the guy who's going to direct my movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't want to really be a movie star, but he went to be a movie star so that he could direct movies. He went and played football so that he could become a movie star so that he could get to the position to direct movies. <laughs> he lifted weights every single day so that he would become super buffed so that he could play football. So he, he, he literally right. laid out his plan to uh, 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 get to direct my movie. I love that. And this is going to be the first movie that he directed. And, and um, I had never heard of the guy. But uh, Reginald Hutland had remembered him from college when he visited his college when he was the president of BET. And he went out and visited the guy's college. And he said, oh, man, this guy did a, a short film that was crazy. And then he set a meeting up. And the guy comes over to my, to my neighborhood in South Central. And he tells me how he wants to tell my story. I was like, ah, I love it. <laughs> Give me him. You know, so um, we have to start to live the way in the direction that we want to go. You know, you can't say, oh, I want to go to New York, but you, you're heading west. You know, right. you're never going to make it. It has to line up. And that's what a lot of people do. Oh, I, I want to be great, but they don't do what great people do. Yeah. They also <clears> think <throat> that it's an easy road. You just give me the guy and I, I got to tell it's going to happen. Well, exactly. so far from the truth. Introduce so me far. to him. Yeah. Bring me the big mic. <laughs> and, and people think like I, I, I got some kind of special power that I can just anoint you and talk to you and send you out there in an hour. People tell me, tell me how to get in the cannabis business. Like, like, and they DM me this. Like, listen, people, write a more specific question. I, it, it would take it would take a long, long time for me to actually teach you what you need to understand to be successful. And it's a long road. You want to do that? You should study probably a lot of other things before you just walk into that studio and 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 try to make a go of it. Also, no too, I feel like work. the most powerful between you two. I'm around them all the time, but I feel like the less questions you ask either one of you, the more you know. Like the more I gain from either one of you is the shit you guys just say to each other back and forth. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like last week you were like, how you do anything is how you do everything. And I was like, what did you just say? And you were just casually having a conversation. I didn't have to ask that and pull that out of you. So I feel like the biggest thing with both of you is just paying attention to what you guys are saying. But that's the benefit of being around brilliant people. Right. And that's why you have to pick brilliant people. You know, like uh, uh, one of my teachers said that if you're the the... If you're the smartest person in the room, oh, get the hell out of that room! You got to get out of that room. Storm. <laughs> yeah. So you know you have to, to constantly seek out people who who can help you, yeah. can help you become a better person. You know who you can learn from and yeah. and so forth. What would you say your last third thing would be? Your the last advice you'd give to your 24 year old self? Just go for it. Don't be afraid. You know you're going to make mistakes. Uh, you know Jesus Christ said it best. Uh, ye who have never sinned, throw the first stone. And they say everybody start backing up. So so uh, there's nobody that ever lived on the planet who didn't make a mistake. So don't be afraid to uh, to make a mistake. Uh, we all have done it, and we're all going to do it again. If you keep living, 
you can keep making mistakes. You're going to make a lot of <clears> mistakes. <throat> it's going to be very messy until you get it right. And you have to go through that process to get it right. If you think you're going to make one thing and it's just going to run tickety-boo, uh-uh. It is optimization over and over incrementally. They call it Kzan, and we probably should do something on on the how, how you can do Kzan and incrementally grow your company continually, continually, because you never stop. You never stop. Yeah, when you stop, they, they say once you stop, you start dying. Yeah. The day that you stop learning and advancing, you start to die. Yep. So that's what I would tell them for the third one. I love that. <laughs> so you want to plug your book and your Netflix movie and um, yeah, you want to do your Instagram and your Twitter and all that stuff. Yeah, you can hit me up at Freeway Ricky on uh, Instagram and Twitter, uh, Freeway Rick Ross on Facebook. Uh, my book is called Freeway Rick Ross, The Untold Autobiography. You can see the documentary on Netflix, Freeway Cracking the System. I'm also, I'm going to have to brag a little bit. We got the number one documentary on Netflix. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Well done. Yes, yes. So I'm, I'm proud of that. Uh, I, I, I dreamed that documentary up when I was in prison. You know, I saw it and, and yeah. it just came to life, you know. So your thoughts are powerful. They live and you have to exercise them. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Very and good. make sure you guys. Excellent job. 